Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. We're continuing our series, When God and When God Commands, and this is actually the last of the uh, uh, sermons in that series. I'm going on holidays for the next three weeks, uh, spending some time doing manual labor, spending some time at cottage and uh, at the cottage, and I'm hoping to spend some time on my motorcycle as well. But you'll be in good hands. Jeff Nalt is speaking for the, the next couple of weeks, and then the third week, uh, Sunday before BB, VBS, a friend of mine, Sean Ketchison, is speaking. But this morning we're looking at Exodus chapter 20, so if you have your Bibles or smartphones and want to follow along, it's Exodus chapter 20. Some of you may remember the David Letterman show, and uh, it uh, ended in, the late night show ended in 2015, but he always started off the show with with the top 10 list. Well, this is kind of God's top 10 list. Starting from the bottom, you shall not covet, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not steal, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, honor your father and mother, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, you shall not make idols. You shall not, number one, have, you shall not have uh, no other gods before me. Um, we know these as the Ten Commandments. Pretty good top ten list. It's uh, so good that a movie was named after. Remember the, t- the Ten Commandments, the movie? Some of you are old enough to remember that. Some people thought that, that list was too complicated, so they came up with the, the Cowboys' Ten Commandments. It goes like this. Just one God, honor your mom, pa, no telling tales or gossip, get yourself to Sunday meeting, put nothing before God, no fooling around with another fellow's gal, no killing, watch your mouth, don't take uh, what eight years, and be hankering, uh, don't be hankering for your buddy's stuff. Well, fair enough, right? <laughs> Ten Commandments are one of the most famous parts of the Old Testament. What? What I want to do is uh, frame these commandments in a way that I hope that you will find helpful. I could literally do a 10-week sermon series on these. I'm not going to do that. But since I'm going away for three weeks, I thought I would give you a pile of stuff for you to think about uh, and uh, hopefully put it into perspective. We are comfortable calling these words the Ten Commandments. Find it interesting that neither God nor Moses calls them commands. Instead, verse 1 introduces these sections saying, and God spoke these words. You were here last week, you might remember that the people of God uh, had come to the foot of the mountain, but they were told don't go up. They're on the mountain, there's thunder and there's lightning. God was in the thunder and lightning and while they were at the foot of the mountain, and they're gathered around the mountain, and God spoke these words. People gathered around the mountain and heard God speak, and it freaked them out, actually. It said in verse 18, as you heard, the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horde, and when they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance and trembled with fear, and they said to Moses, you speak to us. We'll listen, but don't let God speak to us directly or we will die. God speaks, and we have what has come to be known as the Ten Commandments. 
But neither God nor Moses calls them the commandments. They're just called the words of God. Remember working through this passage with an Old Testament professor who was really knowledgeable and smart, and who pointed out the difference between words and commandments. The one who spoke the word and the world came into existence is the same one who spoke these commandments. The one who spoke, let there be light and there was light, spoke these words, uh, spoke these words, and in it was a creative act, or in it, in these words were an affirmation of a creative act, affirming what God had already created. See, we often view God's Ten Commandments as laws like laws against speeding. We're driving down the road, and you're speeding. And, you know, you may get away with it, or you may be pulled over and issued a ticket. Um, speeding is kind of a law that, well, most of us view as flexible. These words of God are different. They are woven into the fabric of the universe. The Ten Commandments, or the Ten Words, are more like the, the law of gravity. You can ignore the speed limit and possibly get away with it, but you don't ignore the law of gravity. You could jump off a cliff and pretend the law doesn't exist, but uh, pretending won't help you when you hit the bottom. In the same way, if you don't take into account God's words, you get hurt. See, you and I, we, we don't so much break God's laws as we break ourselves against God's laws. If we don't keep them, these words that are woven into the fact, fabric of the universe have a way of breaking us. I've worked with people for a lot of years, and, and uh, I am been known to say over and over again, people's lives are messy. And often, you can trace the messiness back to somebody who broke God's laws. Might have been them, might have been somebody close to them. But oftentimes, we break God's laws and it hurts us and it makes our life messy and it makes the life of those around us messy. Don't so much break God's laws as you break yourself against them. Someone once said, they are the Ten Commandments for a reason, not the Ten Suggestions. Maybe the New Living Translation uh, uh, translates it best. NIV, and God spoke all these words, and NLT, and God gave the people these instructions. These are God's instructions, his directives for life. They are given to you by a loving God who really wants you to flourish. Um, it's helpful to know that these commands are, are wired into the fabric of the universe. And if you understand it from that perspective, it'll help you to keep God's commands. Uh, I want to give you a second perspective, second way of looking at and framing these words. I want to help you see these words through the eyes of the New Testament. If you've read through the Old Testament, then you will notice that there are a lot of laws. 
Leviticus is not where I would encourage you to start your Bible reading plan if you've never read through the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. But you'll see a lot of laws, like eat kosher, don't eat pork or shrimp or cheeseburgers. You're not supposed to be mix beef and dairy, right? So you don't, you're not allowed cheeseburgers. Uh, um, and uh, you'll see that God's laws are about uh, priests and what they're supposed to wear and dress and, and how worship is supposed to happen in the temple. And we don't keep most of these laws. I had a great pork chop last week, and I love cheeseburgers. Uh, so why is it we don't keep those laws, but we follow the Ten Commandments. Well, in the Old Testament, there are four kinds of laws. There are ceremonial laws, there are societal laws, there's Jewish separation laws, and there's the moral law. Ceremonial laws are usually around worship, how a priest should dress, what kind of oil should be burning in the lamps, or what makes a person clean or unclean. You know, if you touch a, a dead body or you eat what is kosher, or what not kosher, if you're a woman having your period, then you are ceremonially unclean. We don't keep the ceremonial laws. See, when Jesus came, he brought a new way of living, a new way of worshiping. We no longer sacrifice uh, bulls or goats or sheep. Jesus was the all-sufficient sacrifice. We, no longer, uh, we are no longer clean or unclean because of what we touch or what we've done. We're clean because of what Jesus has done for us and what the Holy Spirit has done in us and because of the Father's love towards us. Ceremonial laws, they're no longer in effect. As you read through the Old Testament, you'll find societal laws. What do you do if your ox gores your neighbor to death? The Bible answers that question, at least for that time period. Many of these societal laws are outworkings of the moral law, but they're for a very specific culture, at a very specific time. These are guides in how we treat one another, but we're not bound to these laws. The societal laws are analogous to the civil law in Canada. If you are a Mexican living in Mexico, you're not under Canadian law. You're under Mexican law. So the societal law was a uh, for that people at that time, at that place, they are um, they're one way which to implement the moral law, but they're not the only way in which to implement the moral law. Uh, we are not required to promote Canada to rewrite our laws so they are harmonized with the Old Testament uh, societal laws. Um, there were a lot of laws on how to treat slaves. We don't want to harmonize with those laws. Uh, and that's one of the difference between Christians and some Muslims. If some Muslims had their way, then the countries would be under Sharia law, which is a form of civil, civil law. Uh, we as Christians do not believe we need to impose Old Testament societal laws. That was a particular time, particular place. Jesus came and changed things. Third kind of law was Jewish separation laws. Laws that were not rooted in the character of God. They were designed to, to help the Jewish nation be a distinct nation. These laws include circumcision, food regulation, uh, not marriage of a foreigner, celebration of certain feast days. 
The Israelites were God's chosen people, and they were raised up by God to be a light to the nation. And they were meant to be a moral example and were meant to point to the true God. But, but on the cross, it ended the need for a separation. Paul notes that there used to be a difference between Jew and Gentile, but he says in Ephesians chapter 2, for he, Christ himself, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. In the Old Testament, you'll find ceremonial law, which we don't have to follow. You'll find civil law, which we don't have to follow. You will find separate Jewish separation law, which we don't have to follow. But there's a fourth category. You'll find the moral law. The moral law is the foundation which the whole Old Testament is built, but the, the law is made up of the commands that flow out of the character and nature of God. And the moral law is still in effect today. And that's what we're looking at in the Ten Commandments, the moral law of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 says this, circumcision or uncircumcision, that's nothing. But keeping God's commands is what counts. Or Jesus says it's easier for heaven and earth to disappear than one of the least uh, strokes of a pen to drop out of the law. So you have Jesus saying the law is still in effect, and it's helpful to know that they're, what kind of law he's talking about. He's talking about the moral law of God that comes out of the character of God. Um, because when you read the, the Old Testament, it's uh, helpful to know what's still in force. One of an anomaly to the Ten Commandments, I think it's worth highlighting, um, is uh, uh, the, the ten, all the Ten Commandments are repeated in the Old Testament as commands, except for one. Uh, the only commandment that is not repeated in the New Testament as a command is, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So it said ten, the Ten Commandments are built into the fabric of the universe. And I think that's true of the day of rest as well. Um, you cannot go seven days a week hard and uh, be who you were created to be. You need a day to recreate and, and rest and recuperate. And uh, so, but it's interesting that the command wasn't repeated in the New Testament as a command, and that's a good thing too, because the, the Sabbath day that was referred to in the Ten Commandments goes from Friday at sundown to Saturday at sundown. And we usually celebrate Sunday as Sabbath rest, um, many of us do, um, because that was the day that Jesus rose from the dead. Early believers met on the first day of the week. So, well, with this commandment not being repeated in the New Testament, I don't think they can get away with it. You need a day of rest, but I think there's some flexibility in it. Let me give you one more way to frame the Ten Commandments. Um, the commandments were given as a part of a covenant between God and his people. It's known as the Mosaic co Covenant. Verse, uh, chapter 19, verse 3, Then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. And God called to him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob, announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagle's wing and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from amongst all the people of the earth, for all the earth belongs to me, 
and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. If the people would keep God's commandment, then God, they would be God's own special treasure. God goes on in chapter 20 to give the, the Ten Commandments. And then he talks uh, about societal justice at the end of 24. And then, then at the end of chapter 24, the Israel come and they feast with God and he makes this covenant meal with, they have this covenant meal with God. It's kind of like, kind of like the signing of the contract, except it's relational, relational more than legal. God's saying, if you keep my law, You'll be my own special people. This is the covenant between God and his people. God made a covenant with Abraham, the father of the Jewish people. Covenant basically says, I'm going to bless your offspring. Now, that his off, uh, now with that offspring, he makes this covenant. This is to keep my law. You'll be my special treasure. And the people said, yeah, we're going to keep your law. But you know, we have that problem of a sinful nature in us. And we hear a law, and we're often inclined to break it. Let's look at how we often break God's commands. You shall have no other God before me. But often, so often, we live in a way where things are more important than God. The gods of our culture are money, sex, power, comfort, stuff, experiences. You shall not make idols. St. Augustine defined idolatry as worshiping what should be used and using what should be worshipped. Not a bad idea. A lot of us have a way of building idols in our life. We put them and make them more important than God. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Don't swear to using God's name. Don't swear falsely using God's name. You know, I swear to God. Don't use his name in a unmeaningful way. Be a good way to put that. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy? We talked about that. Honor your father and mother. Ooh. It's probably the most complicated of the, of the commands. If you have parents who are untrustworthy. You see, your, your parents were to re represent God to you. So you are to honor them as they displayed God. A lot of your parents didn't represent God to you. But there was good in them. And the Bible says everything good comes from above. We're required to honor the good in them, even if it wasn't much. You shall not murder. Hmm. Jesus took that a little farther and said, you know, if you're hating, you're kind of doing the same thing. You shall not commit adultery. Our culture is sex-obsessed. And, uh, yeah... You should not steal. Don't take what isn't yours. You should not bear false witness against your neighbor. 
this is normally said, talked about lying, but uh, it's, you know, don't say that your neighbor did something when they didn't. Or don't slander or gossip, all those kind of things. You shall not covet. I want what they have in such a way that I resent them having it. We don't really do a good job of keeping God's laws. Now I want to take you to the New Testament. Some of you may remember that the word testament, you know, Old Testament, New Testament, the word testament could actually be translated as covenant. So you had the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The New Testament, the New Covenant. Um, and the covenant, the Old Covenant was keep my commands, you'll be my special people. New Covenant, well, it's explained in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. But now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who uh, mediates for us a far better covenant with God, based on better promises. See, in the the first covenant there had had been faultless, then there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. But when God found fault with his people, he said, the day is coming, says the Lord. This is Jeremiah uh, 31. The day is coming. I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. They did not remain faithful to my covenant, so I turned my back on them, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant. I will make with my people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, You should know the Lord, for everyone from the least to the greatest will already know me, and I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sin. When God speaks of a new covenant, it means he has made the first one obsolete. Now at a date, and will soon disappear. Did you catch the new covenant? But this is the new covenant I will make with my people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I'll put my law in their mind. I'll write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Because of what Jesus has done, our heart is changed. The law of God, instead of being written on tablets of stone, were written on the recesses of our mind and on our hearts. How does that happen? Well, when you receive Jesus into your life, he, he forgives your sins. He, he forgives, forgives all the times when you broke the moral law of God. He forgives everything. Just as we read in verse 12, and I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. He forgives us, but more than that, he puts his Holy Spirit inside us. He makes us this new creation. And with the Spirit of God inside you, God prompts us and changes the core of who we are so that we start to reflect him. At the core of who you are, if Jesus is in you, the law of God is written on your hearts. 
And as you start to walk and step with the Spirit, you're going to be keeping the moral law of God. Why? Because the moral law of God is an outworking of the character of God, and the character of God has been placed on you, in you, and you will be working at the character of God in your own situation. Sure, there will be temptation to not follow his ways. Sure, there will be a process of having to learn new ways and new habits of living and dealing with the crud that ends up in our life. But if Jesus is in you, it changes everything. That's why Paul says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You follow God's spirit, and that ensures that you'll follow God's laws. Because God's laws are written on the tablet of your heart. Today, if you never received Jesus into your life, I'd encourage you to. He wants to come in and he wants to change you. Change you so that your heart reflects his. Pray a prayer or something like, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I want to follow you. I invite me to lead, uh, invite you to lead me and guide me. If you are a follower of Jesus, I, I would encourage you to continue to deepen your relationship with Jesus. See, because God loves you. He wants you to flourish. See, you don't so much break God's laws as you break yourself against God's laws. He gave those laws and they're written right into the fabric of the universe. And he's made a covenant with you. A covenant that says, if you'll receive me, I'll make you children of God. You'll take after me. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for who you are. We see who you come out, who you are coming out in the Ten Commandments. And Lord, thank you for forgiveness because none of us measure up. But thank you that you made a way that we might be forgiven by what Jesus did for us. So Lord, I am asking that you would by your grace, deepen your work in our lives so that we would reflect you in how we live, in what we say, in what we do, in how we connect with people. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, take care and God bless.